1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. And Peter goes on to write, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Jesus didn't any sin. There was no gal found in Jesus Christ's mouth. Verse 23, who, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And what, that's, what Peter's referring to is when Jesus Christ was took to be crucified, when he was being beat on, when he was being whipped, when he was being spit in the face, when they were mocking him, when they were asking him questions, saying, if you're the Son of God, do this. If you're the King of the Jews, do that. When they were doing all this stuff to him, he never answered back. He never cussed them back. He never talked to them back. Now, which of us men in here could do that? I think very few of us. But that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He took it. He took that beating for me and you, and he took it like a man. And then it went on to say, there in verse 24, and this is what I want to focus on. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. I want to focus on verse 24 where he says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Well, I need to make a confession to you. And this is an honest confession, and uh, some of y'all are going to be really shocked to find this out, but I am a tree hugger. I know we have for years have made fun of, and I have honestly, probably from this pulpit in times past, have mocked tree huggers and people who are uh, thinking the environment is, is, is you know, the, the global warming and it's always the skies falling, the skies falling, cuckoo, cuckoo, the skies falling, the skies falling. And they, they try to talk about Mother Nature when they should be talking about Father God and all that. But I need to admit to you this morning, I am a tree hugger. But I will tell you, it's only one tree I'm hugging. Is that tree you find there in verse 24? A tree where my sins were took and put on another man, the man Christ Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, on the tree. Where are my sins? My sins are on a tree. On a man on a tree. You know, and I got to thinking about this and about trees. As we have a saying that we say, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see the forest for the trees. And I know what that meaning means. The meaning of that is, is that so many, so many people, they, they get so busy in life and, and, and the answer is right in front of you. But you can't see that. You say, where's the forest? And they say, well, you can't see the forest for the trees. And because you're not, you can't, there's so much going on around you. You're not, you need to slow down. You need to take a step back. You need to take a look at the larger picture to be able to see the forest because there's so many trees around. Uh, we need to slow down. We need to smell the roses. There's too much noise. We're too busy. There's too much drama. There's too much nonsense going on in the world. Every time that we turn on the TV, there's another shooting. There's another there's another killing, there's another raping, there's another, uh, there's another uh, drama, some kind of drama. They're always coming up with something new. There's something you need to know about, you need to be worried about. There's always some fear they want to put in your heart. And we're, they're so busy to do that, and there's so many trees around us that we can't see the forest. And I want to, I want to approach you this morning, and I want to say that you can't see the tree for the forest. You can't see the tree for the forest. And I want to point to you this morning a tree. And it's going to be a very unique tree. And it's going to be a tree that's set up on a hill. 
And for us living here in Central Texas, that should be pretty easy for us to, to imagine and for, us to, for me to be able to illustrate because as we drive out and we leave out from this church, you're going to be looking at and there's rolling hills and what we, what we would call a mountain, which is nothing more than a hill. But you look up on some of these rolling hills and you, you can look for miles and miles and miles and you'll see a lonely tree up on, a, up on that hill. And that's why I want to point out to you this morning, there's a lot of trees, but I only want to show you this one tree. And I want to say you need to slow down. You need to take a look around. You need to notice there's this one tree that's more unique, that's different than any of these other trees that you see around you. Now I want to, hear you, I'm going to tell you this morning that the devil, his job is to show you all kinds of different trees. The devil's job and the devil's purpose is he's put in this world many trees and he'll take you over and he'll say, look at this tree. Isn't this a wonderful tree? And come over and look, at, look how big and look how nice and look how beautiful this tree is. Look at all the blooms on this tree. Look at all the fruit coming off of this tree. And he wants to show you all these trees, but God's only got one tree. He's only got one tree. And it's a very unique tree. And I want to show you what makes this tree so unique. And first off, I want to show you what makes this tree unique. It's found there in verse 24. Who his own self, referring to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. This tree is unique because it has a man named Jesus Christ on this tree. And he's bearing our sins. He's bearing our sins in his body. How's he doing that? With the whipping, with the punches, with the spitting, with every kind of punishment he took. He's taken my sin and your sin on the cross of Calvary on this tree. Please turn to Mark chapter 15. I'm going I'm to show you this tree. And I'm going to show you what makes this tree so unique. Before we get too far, I'm going to get down deeper into this. Mark chapter 15, verse 16. Let me show you this tree. It's a unique tree. It's unlike any tree you're ever going to see, and I want you to come look at it. Maybe you've been going through this world, and you've been going so fast in this world, and TV's got you distracted, your cell phone's got you distracted, sports, hunting, I don't know what it might be in your life. Uh, just living life, it will get you distracted. But you need to slow down this morning. You need to slow down, and I want you to stop. And I want you to look at this forest. I want you to say, okay, there's a lot of forest here. There's a lot of trees here. But I don't want you looking at the forest. I don't want you looking at those trees. I want you to look up at that hill. And I want you to look at that one tree that God has put up on that hill for you. Starting in verse 16, Mark chapter 15, verse 16. And the soldiers led him away, talking about Jesus, into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band to get a bunch of them around. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. I've got a crown of thorns sent up here on the Lord's Supper table. And it's a pretty much like what they put on his, on his head, on, around, his, uh, around his head. If you come down here and you get to playing with that, be careful. Those will poke you. They will stick you. See where I had that sitting on that table? I was teaching Sunday school this morning and I backed right into it. And got a real good taste of it. Ouch! This is pretty much what came out of my mouth. So I moved it this morning, but I put it back. But I want to show you that that gives you an illustration of what they put on his head. It's a mocking him. They're making fun of him. Oh, you're a king. You think you're a king. And they give him a crown of thorns. What do those thorns represent? Those thorns represent the curse 
brought into this world by my father and your father, great-great-grandfather named Adam. They're not supposed to be here. God never intended them to be here. We brought them in through our sin. And they clothed them with purple. That purple represents kingship. That purple represents that he's a king. And they're, they're mocking him and they're making fun of, fun of him. And they, verse 18, and began to salute, salute him, Hail, king of the Jews. Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with the reed. And they spit upon him and bowed their knees, worshipped him. They mocked him. They beat him. They spit on him. He did nothing wrong. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon of Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place called, place called Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. This hill that has a tree on it, if you look at this hill from far off, this hill has the appearance, it looks like a skull. If you go to Jerusalem and you look at the, the hill Golgotha in Jerusalem, and you look far back, it does have the appearance, the way the, the rocks go in on the indenture, it looks like a skull. And on top of this skull hill, there's a tree. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. That wine mingled with myrrh was to kill the pain. It was a deadening agent. They wanted him to take that so he could take the pain. And he refused it. He took all the pain for me and you. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. Broad daylight, they stripped him of his clothes. They took his clothes and they cast lots for his clothes. They were gambling for his clothes, and they hung him up on a tree. They took nails, they put them in his hands, they put them in his feet. They stripped him naked. So this tree that I'm presenting to you this morning, this tree I want you to go and look at, is unlike any other tree you've ever seen. It's a very unique tree. This tree has got a man hanging on it. The man, Lord Jesus Christ. And he's nailed. And he's got those crown of thorns on him. And he's hanging there naked between heaven and earth. This is not just any man. This isn't just like you'd come to see me hanging on a cross or a thief or any other murderer. There's been many men that have been crucified through this world, in the history of this world. This is unlike any man you've ever seen or ever have known. As this man is hanging on the cross, if you look down, there's a centurion below that man and look at verse 39. And when the centurion which stood over against him, against Jesus being crucified, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said... Truly, this man was the Son of God. Amen. This morning I'm showing you a tree that has a naked man hanging on it. And this naked man that's crucified hanging on this tree, he's not hanging by ropes. He's not hanging, he's not hanging by any other way but by nails being stuck into his hands. Nails stuck into his feet. And he's hanging there naked. And he is. He is the Son of God. Amen. What is he doing up there? Go back up to verse 26. This is a tree with a sign on it. 
And if I was to go and show you this tree this morning with this, this tree with this naked man hanging on it with a crown of thorns and nailed to this tree, I would show you that there's a sign above this naked man. And the sign reads in verse 26, And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. This sign that's above this poor man that's done nothing wrong, that's been beaten, whipped, and spit on, and his face is already swollen, and hanging there naked, nailed. Above him is a sign that says, this is what he did. He simply was the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. Merely being the king of the Jews. What does that mean, Brother Keegan? That means if you honestly look at this world and the world we live in, that's enough of an accusation for this world to crucify any man. The world hates the Jew. The world hates Israel. The world hates the Jews so much they have to change their name to try to hide their Jewish heritage. Anytime they go into any kind of entertainment, they try to hide their name. To the world, the world's attitude towards the Jew, that's enough of an accusation. And the worst accusation they, a man could have is to be the king of the Jews. As he hangs there with a sign on it. This is a Jewish man. This is a naked man. This is a bloody man. This is a man nailed to a cross. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Look at Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to show you something else about this tree. Colossians chapter 2. As I'm showing you this tree this morning. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. I'm showing you this tree this morning. This man's hanging there naked with a crown of thorns on him. Nailed. Whipped. Beat. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, I'm going to show you something else that's hanging up there. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. It's a tree with three nails piercing the hands and the feet of this man, this naked man. And there's something else hanging up there. There's not only a man hanging up there, but the law is hanging up there. Now you might not be able to see that law hanging up there as a physical piece of paper. But let me tell you, so, let me tell you something. In God's eyes, the law is hanging up there on that cross with that naked man. When God Almighty looks down on that cross, He sees all those thou shalt not hanging on the cross. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. All those thou shalt nots, all those laws that forbid us and that condemn us to a devil's hell, all those laws are hanging up there with that naked man nailed to the cross. And what those do... Verse 14, and what that does, and what that's going to do is it's blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Those laws are against you. Every one of them. They're against you. They're out to get you. They're out to condemn you. That's how I feel about a lot of the laws that America comes up with. A lot of the laws America comes up with, I say, man, these aren't out to help somebody. These are out there to hurt somebody. Those are out there to help somebody make some money. They're not out there to help me. And that's what God tells you about His law. His law is not out there to help you. His law is to show you that you're condemned. It's a school teacher. It's a schoolmaster. It shows you that you're not righteous. You're nowhere near as good as you think you are. 
You're nowhere near as holy as you think you are. You might look at your neighbor and say, well, I'm not as bad as them, and God's going to show you the law and say, you're worse than them. We don't like that. That's against us. But this man, this naked Jew, hanging on a cross, that's the Son of God, has got the, has got the law nailed up there with him that was, that was against us, which was contrary to us. It goes against everything we want to do in our nature. And it took it out of the way. When he put that law up on the cross, it took it out of the way. What do you mean, Brother Keegan? What does that verse mean, taking it out? It takes it out of the way between me and God. See, God's way up there, and He's holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's so holy that He has the cherubims and the seraphims around Him night and day saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He's holy. Holiness to the Lord. And I'm not holy. And that law makes sure I know I'm not holy. And when Jesus Christ went to the cross onto that tree, and that tree has him hanging on there, and he's shedding his blood, God takes that law and he says, that law is being paid for, and he takes that law and he nails it on the tree for me and you, so me and God could get right. So me and God could get right with each other. The Bible calls it atonement. Jesus Christ, this man on this tree, is making atonement for you. Atonement, that word means at one Right now, you and God are at two-ment. That law is keeping us from getting there to holiness. We can't be holy. We can't be righteous. We can't stand before a righteous and holy God. And whenever he takes that law and puts it on that man hanging on that tree, all of a sudden we can be at one How close can me and God be? Let me tell you how close me and God can be. I can now call him Father. And he can call me son. That's what that does for you. This tree. This tree on a hill. This tree that's so unique. And if you get to looking around, there's no other tree like it in the world. There's the tree of works. There's a tree of knowledge. There's a tree of, of just having fun. The tree of pleasure. The tree of sex. The tree of drugs. The, there's the tree of money. The tree of finances. There's all these different trees the devil tries to show you. But there's no tree like this tree I'm showing you this morning. This very unique and wonderful tree with a naked Jew hanging on it. Nailed. And if you look close with spiritual eyes, you'd see the laws hanging there with him. And it's nailed there through those nails. It was contrary against you. It's against you. And the Lord took it away to save you. That's our way to righteousness. Turn back to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to show you another one. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. This tree is a rugged tree. It has a man hanging on it. It's a tree with a sign king of the Jews. It's a tree with three nails and the law hanging on it. And I'm going to show you something else about this tree. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. When you get to looking at this tree, it's not going to be a tree you're going to want to look at. When I get you up to this tree and I start bringing you up closer, I'm going to say, come here. Let me show you this tree. You can't see this tree for the forest. So I want you to come here and show you. See this tree? Up? Come here. And I'll get you up to this tree as we start approaching this tree, you're going to say, oh, that, that's, that's filthy. That's nasty. There, there's a naked man hanging up there. Yeah, yeah. 
And the first thing that's going to occur to you when you see this tree is blood. Blood. There's blood everywhere. This is a bloody tree. This is a blood-covered tree. Verse 20, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. It's the blood of His cross. This tree is very unique because it's a tree that's covered in blood. It's a tree covered in blood. It's a blood-stained tree. But that blood-stained tree does something for you that no other tree can do. Because that blood is not the blood of man. That's the blood of God. That's the blood of the precious Son of God. That only His blood can wash away your sins. Only His blood can give you this peace. Only His blood. No other person's blood could get, make you right between you and God. None other. So, well, uh, what if I'm willing to die and give my own blood? It won't work. You can crucify yourself. It will not work. That's not going to pay. That's not going to be enough to pay the sin debt you owe. It's got to be His blood. Born of a virgin. And having made peace through the blood of His cross. This blood hanging on this cross, dripping off this cross, this filthy looking mess of a man, bloodied, dr blood drooling down, pulling down, pulling down at the bottom of this cross. What a filthy scene that is, but what a beautiful scene to any believer in Jesus Christ. Because when I come up to that cross, I don't see a, a man anymore. I see a lamb. I see a precious lamb that's done nothing wrong. I see a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world for my sins and yours. I see a lamb that God sent to be the Savior of the world. I see the lamb that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I see the most precious lamb hanging, bleeding on the cross, shedding his blood for the love of the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave it so you can be saved. And through that blood, that blood that's covering that cross, that's how we have peace with God. Right now we're at, we're at enemy with God. We're at enemies with God, the Bible says. Right now, without the blood of Jesus Christ, you're an enemy with God. And you need to get into that blood of Jesus Christ. You need to get close to this tree. You need to get to where that blood's at. That's where you need to be. As, as filthy as it looks, and as, as contrary to everything that's in your heart to do, you need to go towards that blood. You need to go towards that naked man that's hanging on that cross that's a Jew. You need to go to him. And it goes against everything in you. The world says, no, no, no. The Jew is bad. The Jew is wicked. The Jew is evil. What are you doing trusting in something that happened 2,000 years ago? We don't know if he even existed. We don't know this about Jesus. We don't, and the world and the devil will tell you all the stuff about Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, put all that stuff aside. Stop listening to that. And let me show you this tree. Amen. This tree that saved millions of people who've come to it. Oh yeah, I warned you. 
I tried to warn you before we got started, this is a very unique tree. It's a very unique tree. You're not going to see a tree like this anywhere else. If you go to the tree of Muhammad, you won't find Muhammad's blood shed anywhere for you. Amen. When I go to the tree of Muhammad, I look at Muhammad and they say, there's a good prophet. I'm like, well, I don't know what's a good prophet or not a good prophet. He didn't ever prophesy anything, but if you want to call him a good prophet, I guess he's a good prophet. I don't know. But where's my redemption? I'm a sinner. I need to be redeemed. Where's my redemption? I don't see a tree that does anything for me. Well, come over here. Let me show you this tree of Buddha. See this tree of Buddha? Yeah, but where's my redemption? Buddha tells me to trust in myself. I, I've trusted in myself. Look what it's got me. I don't, I don't see anything in here that's... It looks a lot like this tree over here of Muhammad. And it looks a lot like this tree of the Pope. And it looks a lot like this tree of works and this tree of money. And it, it just looks like a lot of these other trees in here. That's what I'm here to tell you. These trees are all the same. They all have the same root. I'm showing you something very, very unique. See, every one of these trees I'm showing you down here, every one of these trees that the, the devil tries to show you, they're all do trees. D-O, do. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to come do this, you got to come do that. That's how the devil wants you to do it. And God says, I don't work that way. I done it. This is a done tree. It's already been done. You just come and believe. Turn to Acts 13, just in case you don't believe me. Turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, please. This is a very unique tree. The world's got it all wrong. The world's got it all wrong. You can't see the tree for the forest. They say you can't see the forest for the trees. I say you can't see the tree for the forest. You've got to look at the tree. You should be looking for the tree, and you should be looking for the right tree. And when you're looking for the tree, this tree is going to stand out above all the other trees because God's took this tree and he's put it up on a high hill. And this tree has a skull on it like death. And this tree's got a man hanging on it. And it's got the king of the Jews sign on it. And it's a tree that's covered in blood. And this man is nailed up there. And if you had spiritual eyes, you'd be able to see the laws nailed up there with that man. And it's that blood-covered trees up there. And as you approach that tree, you're going to say, man, this is... This is incredible. I've never seen anything like that. There's never been anything like this tree before it, and there's never going to be anything like this tree after it. And we know that for, we're we're talking almost 2,000 years later, we still haven't seen a tree like this. Amen? Amen. I don't care if you believe believe me or not, if you're an atheist or a non-believer, you can't say there's ever been anybody like Jesus Christ, and there's never going to be somebody like Jesus Christ. Obviously, 2,000 years later, never been anybody like him. Not like this tree. Not like this tree. But in Acts chapter 13, I want to show you something starting in verse 28. Acts chapter 13, I want to show you something starting in verse 28. Because I want you to look again at this tree. This tree's unique. I tried to warn you. This tree's very, very unique. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. We just read that. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. (laughs) It's a very, very unique tree, brothers and sisters. Friends, this is a very, very unique tree. 
Because as I, as I described this tree to you, and you on, you've went with this, this, this journey with me as I showed you the tree. It's up on a hill, and this tree has a man naked hanging on this tree, nailed by some, some three nails with the law on it spiritually and the sign. But when you get closer and you see all the blood, there's blood all over the cross, but the man is gone. Amen. This tree is very unique. Because when you start approaching this tree and say, I'm starting to believe that that's the tree I need. When you start approaching this tree, believing that's the tree you need, something really strange starts happening. That man's no longer there on that tree. He's been took down. That, that blood, that blood is going to bring me peace. I believe that blood right there is going to bring me peace. I believe I can see spiritually that law has been nailed up on that tree. I don't have to worry about the law anymore. Amen. But where is that man? That man that the blood came from. That man that they took those nails and drove him in his hands and his feet. Where's that man? Verse 30. Read it with me. But God raised him from the dead. <laughs> Amen. Woo! But God. But God. <laughs> but God. I love the Bible. I love this old book. I love this old book. They took him. They nailed him. They put him up on a tree. But God. But God. I'd be a millionaire, but I'm poor. Yeah. I drive a Lamborghini, but I'm broke. See that but word in there? It changes everything in your life. And you might be going along saying, I'm living a pretty good life. I'm, everything's going great for me. But God. Amen. But God. But you'll answer to God. See. So many people live in this world and the world's got them fooled into thinking everything's going great. And it takes them years and years. And I'm telling you, sometimes decades and decades for them to slow down and start looking around and the forces all around them. And they're saying, I'm miserable. I want to commit suicide. I'm unhappy. I'm un There's nothing good in this world. This world is no good. I'm, I don't have any joy. I don't have any peace. And I'm just hopeful and very, I'm prayerful that somebody will come along and say, are you, are you sick of this world? And like, yeah, I'm sick of this. Look at all these trees around me. And that one person will say, well, look up there at that tree right there. That's a pretty unique tree up there. See it up there on that hill? Go up there. That's a tree you need. Don't look at these other trees. You've been trying these other, you've been eating the fruit off these other trees. They're doing nothing for you. Why don't you try that, you, that tree? It's pretty unique. But when you get up to it, something happens and Jesus is not there any longer. He's been put in a tomb, in a sepulcher, and God has raised him from the dead. I thought this man was dying. I thought this man died. I thought this man was nailed. I thought this man was crucified. He was. But with God, the story's not quite done. Amen. With God, the story's quite, not quite done. Because God says, you know what? Nah. That's not how this is going to end. I'm going to get you through the blood. I'm going to take my law and I'm going to nail it on that cross through the blood and through the crucifixion, through the punishment of my, of my son, but he's not going to lay there in no grave. I'm going to raise him up. And you're going to make fun of him for being the king of the Jews? I'm going to make him the king of the Jews. 
You're going to take my son, that precious lamb, and you're going to crucify him? Well, I'm going to bring him back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's going to come back and he's going to look you in the face. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. You're going to mess with me? I'm going to mess with you. You're going to kill my son? I'm going to bring him back on a white stallion. You're going to crucify the Lamb of God? He's going to come back as a lion roaring out of Jerusalem. But God, but God raised him from the dead. Amen. But God... I'm so happy, I'm, I, I, I'm just living this world, everything's going great. But I'm going to tell you this morning, but God, see, but God, you're going to have to answer for that. You're going to have to answer one day, but God is going to make your life miserable until you get with Him. I got something even better than that. And this goes for me, and I, I'm going to speak for Joker. Me and Joker, some of y'all don't know what was going on earlier when I was trying to sing happy birthday to Joker. Me and Joker grew up together. Since I was a little kid, Joker used to whip me and beat me, and torture me, and do all kinds of mean things to me. And I deserved it. But I love him like a brother, and he loves me like a brother. But we didn't live a very good life. If there's anybody in this building that understands what Jesus Christ has done for us, it's me and Joker. I'm not going to speak for him, because I didn't grow up with a lot of y'all. But I grew up with him, and I know how wicked he was, and he knows how wicked I am. And was. And we both know what Jesus Christ did for us. Maybe you're in here this morning and you've done a lot of horrible things. Maybe you've done some sins in your life that you don't want nobody to find out about, but you're honest enough to say, I know God knows about it, and boy, am I going to answer. Maybe you've done some things in your life that everybody knows about. And everybody knows about it. Everybody's holding it against you. Nobody will forgive you. And honestly, if you're honest with yourself, you you should say, they should not forgive me. I'm a miserable sinner. There's no chance anybody's ever going to love me again. There's no chance I could ever make things right. I've ruined my life. My life is ruined. But God. But God. But God has something he can do for you. See, you can throw all that away when God shows up. But God, He can forgive you. He can love you. He can make you a child of a king. It's a unique tree, but what does that do for me, Brother Keegan? It does everything for you in verse 38. Look at verse 38. But God. Verse 38. Acts 13, 38, in closing. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren. He's talking to every one of y'all. Everybody can hear me. He's talking to you. This is Paul preaching. That through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things. Take your pen, if you got a pen, and underline all, and then underline all. I'll read it to you again. And by him all that believe. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See that word, whosoever? You know what that means in the Greek? It means whosoever. Don't even look it up. It means whosoever. It don't matter who you are. I don't care what you've done or what you're going to do, what you think you're going to do. Whosoever 
For by, and by him all that believe are justified from what, how many things? All things. All the wicked things I've done? All things. From which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. You're not going to work your way into heaven. You're not going to work your way to get right with God. You're not going to work and do things to make God happy with you. You've got to come to this tree. You've got to come to this tree where the man is hanging, where the man has disappeared. You've got to come to this tree where the blood's at. Verse 39, it says, And by him all that believe. How do I do that, Brother Keegan? It's by belief. That's one of the most amazing things about the Bible. It's so simple, it makes it hard on people. God says, just believe. Just believe. See, God makes it simple so... Uh, Five-year-old can do it, and a 105-year-old can do it. Just believe. It doesn't matter if you're on a deathbed, in a hospital, in a nursing home. If, 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 you, if you can't get out of a wheelchair, God says, I don't want you doing any of that. All I want you to do is just believe. Amen. Believe in what? Believe in this man that's hanging on the tree. You need to believe you're a sinner. Can you do that? Amen. I think I could do that. I think if I'm honest enough with myself, I can believe that I'm a sinner. I've done things that are not right with God. Believe that man, this man Jesus is hanging on the tree is the Son of God. He's born of a virgin, walked among men. I believe that. Believe the law that convicts you is nailed on that tree. I think I could believe that. I can't see it, but spiritually I can believe that. Believe that that blood that's on that cross is taking care of all your sin. You just need to simply believe. You don't need to know where Genesis and Revelation, you don't need to understand everything about the Bible, you just need to simply believe in this tree that I'm pointing you to this morning. This tree that, what did Peter say? Peter said that it, he bare all our sins in his body on that tree. Where are all Brother Keegan's sins this morning? They're 2,000 years ago hanging on a tree. Where are all my sins going to be that I commit tomorrow and next week and the month after? They're hanging on that tree. Amen. I have peace with my God. I have so much peace with my God, I call him father and he calls me son. And he's adopted me into his family. And now I know i got a place in heaven waiting on me. And now I know that my sin, I'm not doomed and damned to a devil's hell. That any sin I do, I'm going to have to answer to God as a father. He's going to answer me as, I'm going to answer him as a father. And he's going to answer me as a son. And now he might have to spank me. He might have to get on to me. But I'm his child. And that's never going to change. And that adoption's set. That adoption's secure. And I've got a place and I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about making him happy and not making him mad at me. As a father. But if you're outside of Jesus Christ and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you never come to this tree, you're looking up at God and He's a judge. And He's looking down at you and you're an enemy and you're, you're condemned. Amen. That's John 3, 18. And He says, you're about to stand before me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge you and I'm going to give you your sentencing. And if you take your last breath without coming to this tree, you're going to stand before God. And you've got to stand before God, and he's going to say, okay, Keegan, 
and he'd have to bring me up there if I didn't have Jesus Christ. And he'd say, okay, you did this, this, and this. You did this, this, and that. And he's a righteous judge. He can't show any mercy. He can't show any grace. And he's going to have to drop that gavel. You're doomed and down to a devil's hell. And he's going to bring his angels in there, and his angels are going to say, hit the knee. And I'm going to have to bow my knees, and I'm going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And then he's going to get me up, because every knee is going to bow, every tongue's going to confess, and then he's going to take me and throw me into a devil's hell. Maybe you want to go that way. Maybe you want to stand before God and argue with him as a judge. You know, I've been on grand jury for a couple of months now. You know what I found out about the grand jury and being around all those cops and all those DA? And the, you know what I found out about them? If they want to get you, they'll get you. You're doomed. I'm serious. If y'all make somebody mad up here at Hamilton County and they want to get you, they're going to get you. <laughs> I found that out, and it scares me. I should be worried about God. Because when he's got it out for you, you're not going to get out of it. Unless you come to the tree. Because he says, I'm going to make a way out. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. And that one was Jesus Christ for you. He paid for your sins. He paid for your, all the evilness, all the iniquity. He paid for all of that on that tree. That's why that tree is so unique. That's why that tree is so special, because it's unique. Because that's the only place that God has all your sins paid for. It's the only place you can get free. It's the only place you can be set free. It's the only place you can be righteous. It's at that tree where that blood was shed. That's the only place. And if you're trying to find God's love, you're not going to find it anywhere else but at this tree. You know, at Christmas time, I like to say this at Christmas time, God only decorated one tree, and He only put one gift under that tree, and the gift He gave was the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the tree you want. And that's the tree I'm showing you. Will you come to this tree? Or are you going to stay down there in the forest and mess around with all these other trees that are not giving you any kind of good fruit? Come on down here. Come on down here to this tree. I'm going to tell you something about this tree, because I've come to this tree. It's very, very unique. And I'll tell you something about this tree. It's the best decision I ever made coming to this tree. I'm happy. I have joy. And I know where I'm going to go when I die. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your words. I want to thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, if there's somebody in it, the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, that can't say they've ever come to the tree of salvation, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that They'll come on down here and get saved. And Lord, maybe there's somebody out there, Lord God, this morning that is dealing with a conviction of sin. Maybe there's something you're dealing with them, Lord. I just pray, Lord, they can come on down and get on the altar, whatever it might be, Lord God. Maybe they just want to get down on the altar, Lord God, and praise you and glorify you, Lord God. I don't know, Father, but Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move among us. And Lord, we want to thank you for that tree. Lord, and above all else, we want to thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, and paying for my sins. Lord, I don't deserve it. I've never met a man or a woman that does deserve it, Lord. But you're just that good. You have that much love. And I don't understand it, but I thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? 
You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him